Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Examples are a powerful tool when it comes to learning. Uh, Even just going back to when you were a kid, you would learn things by the example of your parents or your older siblings if you had them. Or even growing up, if you played sports, right, there, there'd probably be people, whether it was a player that was better than you on your team or, or some pro that you got to see or watch on TV, and you would try to imitate what they did. They were your example. Or even as an adult, whatever you're doing for a living, there's probably some people you've looked at and said, man, that, that's a good example. They're doing some things well that I want to imitate. And you've probably seen others that are not good examples. And you're saying, hey, I don't want to do whatever I'm doing like this person does. Well, the idea of examples comes up in the postcard epistle of Third John which we are reading today. And as you look at this, it says the elder, which uh, we believe refers to the apostle John, to the beloved Gaius. We don't know much about this man whom I love in truth. And it says here, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So as much as we talk about, hey, our prayers uh, need to have a spiritual substance to them, here's a good reminder. It's not wrong to pray for someone else to be in good health. And he says here, for I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Um now, he's not using the phrase your truth the same way somebody like Oprah would use your truth. Uh, that, that's not what he's talking about. It's not like your version of the truth. It really goes on as he explains, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I'm rejoicing that you are walking in the truth. That, that's what he is getting at there. And then he says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And again, that that should help us calibrate what gives us joy. And we should see here biblical joy, investing in others spiritually and seeing them walk into the truth and and continue walking in the truth. That's the good stuff. That is a reason to rejoice. Uh, Now, he commends this Gaius uh, for how he has helped strangers. And now these strangers that he has helped seem to be uh, itinerant or traveling ministers who needed help and support on their journeys uh, for the sake of gospel ministry. You see, even there at the end of verse 8, they are fellow workers for the truth. And he has helped them um, along in their journey. And they don't want to be going to the Gentiles for help. They want to be going to uh, believers. And so this man has helped and he is being commended for that. But now we get into examples and we're going to see this. Well, let's jump to verse 11 and it says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. So there is the, the imperative 
hey, we need to not imitate evil, but we need to imitate good. So that brings us to examples. There's going to be examples that aren't good. Don't imitate them. But the ones that are good examples, godly examples, we need to imitate them. And he gives uh, a couple examples, starting with a bad example in verse 9. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So here's a bad example. This guy named Diotrephes. And what's bad about his example? He likes to put himself first. And he does not acknowledge uh, the authority of, of John, who is one of the apostles. And it says, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and put them out of the church. So this guy is all out of order. Um, and that's where you should look at your own heart right now and say, I don't want to imitate evil and consider, do you love to put yourself first? And one way that would show up is not acknowledging the authority of others. Um, so uh, we need to check our own hearts there. Um, and then we get to a good example in verse 12, Demetrius. He has received a good testimony from everyone uh, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. So it doesn't tell us exactly what, but Demetrius, he has a good testimony. And this reminded me, even just the opposite of Diotrephes, who always puts himself first, uh, somewhat recently at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, as we're going through the book of Philippians, we looked at the examples of Epaphroditus and Timothy. And I think these are good examples of the opposite of putting yourself first. We saw Timothy being commended for how he genuinely cares for the concerns of others. And Epaphroditus for how he even risked his life uh, to do ministry and to serve Paul. Uh, what an incredible thing that was. So consider those good examples and maybe consider some in your own life. And again, to be clear, it doesn't seem that Diotrephes, oh, he was just doing some things that I didn't like. No, there were some real clear ways that he was putting himself first. So this isn't a call to bring to mind somebody you've got a personal beef with and think about all the ways you don't like them. No, this is a call for someone that clearly is not even really walking in the truth of the Lord, but is halting the advance of the gospel through their own actions, um, right? Examples like that? No, I, I don't want to imitate that. But who are the good examples in your life? And how could you imitate them more today? Spend some time uh, thinking about that or even think through some of the biblical examples like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Well, now let's go back to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 40. And here we get into a new section uh, where he gets transported again to Jerusalem. Now, remember, this is a uh, calling back to earlier. Remember, he is not in Jerusalem. He is in Babylon. And earlier, he gets transported uh, kind of in the spirit to Jerusalem to see the abominations that are going on in the temple. And he sees the glory of the Lord depart. Well, now... He is transported again, but he's going to see something very different. And we'll get to the glory of the Lord in future readings. But what we see described today in these three chapters is a new temple. 
Now, that raises all kinds of questions. Well, what is going on with this new temple? And you think, well, after the exile, don't they rebuild the temple? Yes, they do. But it does not match the descriptions that we see here in Ezekiel. And so this is another topic at which there's a lot of disagreement amongst Bible scholars. One view is this is referring to a yet future temple uh, that will be built and worship that will happen during the millennial kingdom. Uh, Another primary view is uh, that this is basically a big metaphor and, and even, you know, is fulfilled in the church age. You know, we are the new temple and speaking of the blessing of the glory of the Lord in the new covenant through the church. And there's other interpretations that maybe take this as more metaphorical and I'll lay my cards right out on the table and say, I think this is referring to a literal future temple that will be built. This will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. And that's where the challenge I want to give you uh, is just go ahead and read it. And if it's not talking about a literal temple, what is it talking about? And for those that would say, oh, well, this is kind of a, an extended metaphor speaking you know, of the new covenant age um, and just God's presence among his people. Uh, okay, how does all the detail is all the detail just wasted word? I mean, you're going to read words like vestibule and cubits and jams, and it's getting into very specific detail and measurements of this temple. If it's all just some big metaphor, what are all of the details for? What what do those mean? Why are they there? Uh, so my challenge would be, if you don't think it's uh, coming to be fulfilled literally, what is it? And why is there so much detail? Uh, These are some of the reasons. In fact, this end of Ezekiel is one of the uh, key reasons. Personally, I'm in the theological camp that I am of uh, believing there is a literal future millennium coming, because if there is not, I'm not sure what makes sense to do with these passages. And again, I know there's some great, godly, smart people that would disagree with that approach, um, but but I don't think that's that's the best way uh, to view Scripture is by taking this and saying it's just kind of metaphorical, it's fulfilled, not literally. One of the biggest questions that comes up, uh, or even one of the things that people would look at my view and say, how does that work, is this clearly is going to talk about sacrifices, and they would look at the book of Hebrews or other places in the New Testament. I remember even having a conversation with somebody saying, can't we at least all agree there's not going to be any more sacrifices? Well, no, I can't agree because Ezekiel says there will be. Um, Now, what is the purpose of those sacrifices? I would say, well, in the future millennial kingdom, these sacrifices will be memorial sacrifices, looking back now to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. And even remind ourselves, even in the Old Testament, it wasn't the sacrifices that was saving people. Uh, That was never the case. So it's not like, oh, now we got to sacrifice for our salvation again. Nope, that was never the case. It never will be. It points us to Jesus Christ. And I think this time it will be pointing back. So we'll get more into some of these uh, prophecies that I believe are future in Ezekiel. It's actually some fascinating, amazing stuff. But I encourage you, just read it. And if you don't agree with what I'm saying, uh, try 
to figure out, well, what does it mean and why are all those details there? And uh, more than that, spend some time today thinking about some good examples or maybe even some bad examples. And, And let's seek to imitate good as we live for the Lord, as we live for the truth in our world. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.